0: Hello readers, my name is Jason Jeffries, and this is Bookin' brought to you by Quail Ridge Books, Raleigh, North Carolina's trusted community bookstore. My guest today is New York Times best-selling author John Grisham. He is the author of classics like A Time to Kill, The Firm, The Pelican Brief, The Client, the Chamber, The Rainmaker, and many, many, many more. His latest novel is Camino Winds, published by our friends at Doubleday. John, welcome to the program.
1: Hello, Jason. Happy to be here.
0: Hey, it's an honor to have you here. And, John, I was 13 years old or so when my friend Cindy Zittle told my mom, you've got to read this book, The Firm. I never think that a book is better than the movie, but this one is. Uh, my mom didn't really read that much at the time. She has gotten better. But I read The Firm and then immediately bought A Time to Kill, uh, either with my allowance or my parents bought it for me, which seems more probable. Um, my question for you is as I am talking about books and films is, do you feel responsible at all for introducing much of the world to Matthew McConaughey? <laughs> uh,
1: yes, I am proud to take responsibility for that. Um, Matthew was um, um, unknown. Uh, it's a great story if you want to hear it. It's uh, We were trying to, we, they were trying to get the movie started um, uh, filming. And uh, they had uh, a really good script. They had a great cast. They included, you know, Sandra Bullock, Samuel Jackson. uh, You know, it's a wonderful cast.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: They didn't have Jake. And uh, so we kicked around some names. And at the time, I had uh, the right to veto uh, anybody I didn't like in the top two or three uh, roles as the characters and jake was one of them i was very protective of jake and uh we had some pretty good disagreements about um, some certain actors and uh i kind of held my ground the lawyers got involved they read the contracts and they said yeah grisham has the right to veto if he wants to mm-hmm. and uh in the midst of all this uh bickering while they were ready to start filming Joel schumacher the director said um time out Uh, I know this one young actor who I think would be great. And so they got Matthew, he was on a set somewhere else, They yanked him off the set, they flew him to LA, they put him in front of a camera for a screen test. They shipped that to us, this is 1995, before the internet really, and they sent us the old uh, cassette tape and we plugged it in the machine and uh, saw Matthew for the first time and my wife and I both said, that's Jake. And so that's how uh, Matthew Uh, became Jake Brihance.
0: Excellent story. Thank you so much, John. Um, Let's talk about your new novel, Camino Wins. This is a bit of a Russian doll of a novel, John, and the protagonist, uh, one of many main characters, is Bruce Cable, who is the owner of Bay Books on Camino Island. Uh, As the general manager of a bookstore and someone who has worked with books for most of my life, the bookstore angle is what drew me in initially. And John, can you talk about bookstores and why you chose to place much of this novel in the world of bookstores and books?
1: I got started with Camino Island three years ago, and I was, inspired to to write a book about rare books, rare manuscripts, and the thievery in that business. I'm fascinated by uh, stories like that. I collect rare books and I have for 30 years, and so I know something about the business from the collector's side of it and uh just you know rolled around some ideas about how a totally different type of book uh no lawyers no heavy issues just kind of fun you know and uh it, it gradually took shape and so i had this idea of a bookseller on this fictional island in florida uh who had a great bookstore but who also dabbled and Well, he, he traded rare books, but he also dabbled in some stolen stuff, the black market, and that's the setup. Uh, our hero, Bruce Cable, who owns Bay Books, um, comes into possession of some stolen materials that he shouldn't have, and that's where the story takes off.
0: Excellent. Thank you so much, John, and um, I should mention for our listeners that are not familiar that this book is part two of a series, but it is not necessary that you read part one to enjoy part two. This is very much a standalone novel, uh, though it would no doubt be supplemented well by knowledge of the first novel, Camino Island. And John, um, do you plan on writing more books in this series? And as an addendum to this question, what is different about approaching the writing of a series versus the writing of a standalone novel?
1: Yes, I have one more book uh, coming. I uh, don't have a story yet, but it's under contract, so I better find a story. <laughs> mm-hmm. That'll be out probably in two or three years. Um, have some ideas. Mm-hmm. Maybe be more than one book in the future. There could be others from Camino Island. Um, writing a series is very tricky, and I learned this with my kids' series, uh, Theodore Boone. There have been seven of those books now in the past 10 years. Mm-hmm. And after about three or four uh of those books i began getting these uh, really <laughs> funny letters from kids who were catching mistakes in my series because i'm too lazy to go back and read the earlier books and i can't remember all the stuff i've written mm-hmm. and uh so i thought okay I, I gotta get serious about this and so I, I had to really go back and sort of um uh cross-check uh, all the prior stuff the you know the names of characters, the names of places, stores, streets, all that stuff. So a series can be tricky uh, because you've got to remember, you know, the prior six books, and that's not always easy. Right now, I'm writing a book called A Time for Mercy, which is uh, kind of a sequel to A Time to Kill. It's the same characters. It's a Jake Brigance story. Jake's back in the courtroom, mm. and I'm I'm literally sitting at my desk with a uh, well a used copy of A Time to Kill, hmm. Sycamore Row, The Last Juror, a uh, short story collection uh, called Ford County, all these stories I've written out of Ford County, hmm. trying to keep it all straight. And so it's it, it gets to be kind of burdensome at times to try to remember <laughs> all the stuff I've already written.
0: Right, thanks, John. And I have read descriptions of this book, Camino Wins, that describe it as a departure from your legal thrillers, but it's not really a departure, is it?
1: I would call it a departure. It's an entertainment. Mm. Uh, I I write, in broad strokes, two types of books.
0: Mm.
1: The legal thrillers are obviously much heavier and thicker, and they deal with heavier uh, issues, such as the death penalty, wrongful convictions, uh, mass incarceration, all types of legal injustice that I, I'm concerned about and, and read a lot about, and that's where my interest is. And so uh, I have a lot of stories I want to write uh, about legal issues and um, you know courtroom dramas and, and litigation, stuff like that. Um, and I also write uh, lighter books Uh, I've written, you know, three books about sports, two football and one baseball. I've written a comic novel. I've written seven books. So, you know, if I get an idea for a different type of book that's a little bit lighter, much more fun to read. When I published Camino Island three years ago, I said this is a beach book. This is an old-fashioned beach book that you can uh, read in the summertime and escape for a couple of days to another place. And that's what I love about stories like that mysteries and thrillers and uh, you know that's that's why I'm trying to I get bored sometimes with legal thrillers I still for the most part enjoy piecing them together but you know also I'm thinking about a book about basketball I like basketball so I'm always looking for other uh, more fun topics to write about
0: Uh, thank you John I love basketball I'm gonna try to restrain myself from going down that path Um, I ask you, I say this is not really a departure because there is a legal angle to it, and as such I want to ask you about the inclusion of nursing homes in this novel. One of our local authors here in Raleigh, North Carolina, Jill McCorkle, writes about nursing homes so well, uh, and this angle in your novel is sort of a meta-narrative. It's a story in a novel about a novel that includes this very scandalous expose on a nursing home and a drug that is administered to its vegetative residents. Uh, is this something that you researched or that you dreamed up. Or should I even be asking you this question?
1: You can ask any question. All right. uh, it's something I dreamed up. Mm. It has no basis in... It has a tenuous basis in reality. And three years ago, when I was uh, touring with Camino Islands, we did a show in Quail Ridge with Jill McCorkle. She's no buddy of Mm-hmm. And we had a wonderful time there with Randall Keenan and Jill uh, in, in Quail Ridge. Wonderful bookstore. My daughter lives around the corner, mm-hmm. uh, and she's in the store uh, almost every day. Um, yeah, the, 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 the serious issue in uh, communal Winds is Medicare fraud. Mm-hmm. And um, I heard a story years ago about how nurse, some nursing homes for their patients who are long since gone physically emotionally everything else mentally um but but managed to clean to life um in a vegetative state so that the nursing home can continue to draw some pretty serious money from medicare Mm -hmm. and beyond that it's all fiction i just created a drug that would prolong life so that these companies could you know uh build medicare more money so it's I hope that's
0: all fiction. <laughs> right. Thank you so much, Sean. And listeners, we are going to pause for a moment for a word from our sponsor, and then I will be right back with John Grisham. The book and podcast is sponsored by Libro FM audiobooks. Libro FM lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore, Quail Ridge Books. You can pick from more than 100,000 audiobooks, including New York Times bestsellers and recommendations from booksellers around the country. With Libro.fm, you'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there. You know the name, but you'll be part of a much different story. One that supports community. Listeners of Bookin' can get a three-month audiobook membership for the price of one. Go to Libro.fm, that's L-I-B-R-O.fm and enter Bookin, B-O-O-K-I-N in the promo code space. With each listen, take pride in knowing that you're supporting local bookstores. I'm back with John Grisham, author of Camino Winds, published by our friends at Doubleday. Uh, John, I'm going to step away from your novel for a second. We are speaking as the world and our country, the United States of America specifically, is trying to figure out how to navigate COVID-19. Uh, how are you handling the marketing of this novel at this time? I don't imagine it is as difficult for you as it is for, say, a debut novelist, but some element of the marketing must still seem strange.
1: It's important to, uh, to market in such a way that you, you touch readers and you help bookstores. Hmm. And so we're doing it all like everybody else. We're living in a virtual world. I'm um, doing um, a number of virtual stops with uh, uh, lots of bookstores around the country and having a lot of fun talking to booksellers and uh, some of the fans. And, you know, we're trying our best to, to um, create interest in. The book, my book, the next book, the you know other books that are coming out. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult for a debut novelist uh, when the world is not upside down to to publish and to attract readers, and that's why independent bookstores are so crucial to to uh, to new writers because the indies get behind a book and they read the book and they hand sell the book and and uh, that's what made my career early on, and so I'm very loyal to independent bookstores.
0: Thank you, John. And um, along these lines, discussing the world surrounding COVID-19, readers and listeners who know about you know that you are a baseball fanatic, and you alluded to this earlier uh, when you were talking about your other books. Do you think we will have a baseball season this year, John? And perhaps more importantly, do you think we should have a baseball season this year?
1: uh well I, I don't know uh it's it's so awful not having baseball baseball has survived depressions and wars and everything but this and and we just you know it's it's awful being here in the month of may we've had a beautiful spring here in virginia and north carolina and um, I have a little league baseball park that I built 25 years ago around the corner from my farm. And we have seven fields. And every year we have 400 kids from from T-ballers to softball players to 15 year old baseball players. And, and the ballpark is empty and all ballparks are empty. I I love college baseball and uh, I follow it a lot. And, you know, it's not happening and pros aren't playing. So it's it's very um you know, it's not the most important aspect of this pandemic by far, but it's still something that grounds us. And you know, baseball is generational; it's passed down from father to son. And uh, I really miss the that part of my life right now. Uh, as to whether we have a season, I don't know. I'm uh, as long as the numbers of cases keep going up, mm. um, I don't know how we can reopen much of anything. And the idea of getting large groups of people back together again uh just seems like a dream right now i mean i'm, I'm worried about the college the college football season mm-hmm. uh, i'm even i'm worried about the college basketball season uh mm-hmm. so uh, I, I don't know I mean, we could be in for a very gloomy year those of us who are rabbit sports fans
0: absolutely um my four-year-old son and i ever since he's been born have driven to a major league game every april and we certainly missed it this year um Let's turn away from baseball and jump back to your excellent new novel, *Camino Wins. I'm not going to get into specifics here to avoid uh, spoilers, but there is a company in this novel, and the idea of the company going bankrupt is discussed, but instead of saying this company could enter bankruptcy, the characters say this company could, quote, pull a Trump. Uh, What does it mean to pull a Trump?
1: well just look at what the guy's done he's filed bankruptcy I think six times uh, and uh, walked away from his debts and uh, you know a lot of folks lose their jobs and that's his history you can't you know those are the facts you can't change the facts I don't care if you how you vote or your, your, your persuasion politically but the, the facts are he has a history of uh, doing just that and he's probably not finished with it
0: Right. Thank you so much, John. And I'd like to ask you about the writers in this novel. Um, I felt as if I were reading a version of The Movable Feast in some spots. Uh, One novelist was a lawyer who became a whistleblower, and after he was chased out of his profession, he started to write books. One novelist is an ex-convict, a felon specifically. One novelist was working undercover for a detective agency populated by former FBI agents. Uh, How much fun is it for you to write a novel with so many characters who are not only authors, but became authors uh, who became authors after some huge life-altering experience?
1: Well, the question is, how much fun? It's it's uh, it's incredible fun as a writer to be able to create characters that people believe uh, in, laugh at, laugh with. Um, and the thing about writers, I mean, um, th- there's no real training that goes into being a writer. And and if you look at you know the most popular writers are your fa- your favorite writers. Pick your favorite writers and look at what they what they once did. Uh, one of mine is John Le Carre. He was a British spy for many years. Uh, started writing his novels while still uh, spying for the UK. Stephen King was a uh, school teacher. Tom Clancy sold insurance. Scott Turow was a novelist. Uh, I mean, a lawyer. Uh, so writers come from all different types of backgrounds and that's that's why their fiction is so rich with detail because you you, you just don't know uh what you're going to find with a debut writer who has a very interesting background there have been there've been cons criminals um you know shysters uh, all of them who made money writing books <laughs> so that's you know we're we're a weird bunch
0: right thank you john and um finally i would like to ask you something about hurricane culture uh how important is it that you have access to a lot of alcohol in a hurricane uh it seems to be of the utmost importance to the characters in this novel camino Winds.
1: well these guys are a bunch of boozers anyway without uh, in good weather they um they're writers okay and they're you know bruce cable runs the bookstore and entertains a lot with his writer buddies there or Writers who are on tour, and um, that's typically uh, historically the reputation writers have as being, you know, pretty serious drinkers. And um, it's always easier to to write uh, interesting scenes when you have uh, people who are drinking. So that's that's pretty much that's a big a big part of their lives.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much, John. Listeners, I've been speaking with John Grisham, the author of the excellent new novel Camino Winds*, published by our friends at Doubleday. Signed copies will be available with free shipping from www.quailridgebooks.com while supplies last. John, thank you so much for joining me.
1: My pleasure. I enjoyed it. Thank you. Yeah.
0: Once again, I would like to thank John Grisham for joining me. Signed copies of Camino Wins can be purchased while supplies last from www.quailridgebooks.com with free shipping. I would like to thank our sponsor, Libro.fm Audiobooks. You can navigate over to Libro.fm and enter the promo code BOOKIN, that's B-O-O-K-I-N, in the promo code space to get three months of audiobooks for the price of... My name is Jason Jeffries, and this has been Booking.